0: Hello, my guest today is an editor and publisher who was born in Ghana, but has spent more than half his life in Asia, in Hong Kong, Singapore, and Indonesia, chronicling the lives and foibles of the rich and famous as a columnist for the South China Morning Post's once revered Lycee column, before taking the helm of the high society glossy magazine, Tatler, After burning out from living the high life, He dropped out in Bali before completing a literature degree at Trinity College in Dublin more than 20 years ago, since when various iterations of a debut novel have bounded on his keyboard. After a lengthy gestation, his first book, Eating the Wind, has just been released, and to talk to me about this semi fictionalized, part memoir, part novel. I'm glad to welcome Nigel Simmons to Conversations with Peter Wood. Nigel, welcome.
1: Peter, thanks so much and uh, lovely to see you after so many years.
0: So, Nigel, part fiction, part memoir. Is this true?
1: Uh, Essentially, yes. I mean... um... It, it, people always say, you know, write about what you know. So that's, that's where I started um, uh, writing about uh, what I know, my past and my life. But, um, you know, I also wanted to to create a story and a, a narrative that um, uh, sort of wasn't hindered, if you like, by that um, complete detail. So I'm a journalist and they, they always taught me as well, never let the facts, you know, get in the way of a good story. well i mean honestly
0: the book is very readable and it's a seductive vignette or vignettes about life in the hippie artist town of ubud in bali yeah the style of writing if i may be so bold has connotations of james joyce in particular a portrait of a young man as an artist whom i'm reliably informed you studied at trinity in uh,
1: well, that's praise indeed, my friend. I mean, I, I don't think I would compare myself to to James Joyce. Good, good God! But um, yeah, I did go to Trinity and I studied in uh, Oscar Wilde's house in um, at Trinity College in Dublin and I had a wonderful year there, doing a masters um, in creative writing with uh, Seamus Heaney, and um, who of course went on to win a Nobel Prize for literature, and with Brendan Kennelly, uh, a famous old pisshead poet a brilliant man and i was just surrounded by such um incredible history and um and knowledge you know and i think that's where although i'd started the book um prior to that um that's where i kind of went to, to try to finish it off or at least to advance it you know to a stage um that that i, I was happy with that stage didn't come until many years later you know, for various reasons um mm-hmm. i think the process of writing is uh I'm fascinated by it. It's an extraordinary thing. And from the book launches and and tours that I've been doing recently with the book, the question that comes up constantly, people uh, come up to me is they it's always the same, they say, how long did it take you to write the book, you know, and uh, I'm never really sure how to answer that question. Well, a lifetime from what I gather uh well yeah first you have to live it I mean if it's a memoir that you're writing even if it is a fictionalized version with another narrative going on you know uh you've got to live the life first so when I did move to Ubud in the in the 90s um uh, I um I started immediately uh, to see that there was a story here that I could write and I started to write immediately and I hadn't really lived the lived the life or the story but I just uh I was naturally drawn to the idea of Ubud and the people uh, within this sort of paradise and the idea of a lost paradise, if you like. And just um, the characters that I met um, and and the the things that we did were just incredible, you know. So, yeah, living the life uh, was a big part of it. I had to do that. That took me a few years. And then um, I, uh, yeah, I studied in, in, in the Trinity uh, on that, but you know, life gets in the way of these things, so you got to earn a living along the way as well. And also, you know, I was lucky enough to have a daughter, um, so that was sort of, uh, you know, a good 18 years that just drifted by wonderfully, um, in which I didn't write a thing really on the book. But uh, COVID sort of came around, and um, Nika got a bit older, you know, so and suddenly I, I found myself with time and, and I, I dusted this um, this thing off uh, that had been in my drawer for so long. And I tore through it, and uh, and threw um, two thirds of it away, really, and then, and then wrote um, uh, what I could could see finally was sort of missing, you know. So I could create a, a narrative and a story about, um, yeah, about eating the wind, and about about um, this sort of search that maybe uh, we all have, and certainly uh, many men have to, you know, go on some kind of journey and find some kind of meaning in in life, and. Uh, that's really what the is at the heart of the book you know yeah search.
0: I mean let's get to that in a minute I mean
1: clearly paradise
0: is not quite as it seems I mean you've written these snapshots of this bucolic lifestyle, but you also use references to Bali's violent political upheaval and also your own personal grief and loss yeah um, the hippie dream is is perhaps not quite as Simple is it?
1: No, certainly not. I mean, I don't think any dream is. Do you know? Um, at some point, we reach, reach reality that um, shows us that that uh, what we expect isn't always there, and, and you know that that sort of la- the unexpected um, sadness of that is uh, part of the human uh, existence. You know, part of the part of life, really. Yeah.
0: Mm. So eating the wind, the title is mentioned, as far as I could see, twice in the book, both in very different contexts. Uh, What does the title actually mean?
1: Yeah, so it's very simple, really. The title comes from an Indonesian saying, um, if you're out uh, walking, we would say, taking the air. You know, if you're not really going anywhere, but you're taking the air. In Indonesia, they would say, uh, makan angin, you're literally eating the wind, you know, so that's where it came from. And that saying, uh, when I heard it first, just sort of uh, started me uh, thinking about, yeah, the idea of a story about a journey and uh, just sort of wandering the planet, if you like, and looking uh, for some kind of truth or, or a dream that c- could be fulfilled. So, yeah, that's where it comes from. in.
0: I mean, the story itself centers around the lives of quite a few different characters who have escaped their former lives. Right. But the crux of the books is centered on you and your partner, in Bud. Right. In
1: what you said, the 1990s. Was yeah, that. in the 90s. So uh, I was working in corporate uh, life in magazines and what have you in Hong Kong and, and Singapore. And I went on holiday um, with my partner, and um, we stayed in Ulbud and it was just this incredible scene. You know, there was, a, there was a guy there, it was a small square swimming pool and there was this guy there and he it just looked so strange. And he was, uh, he, he'd, he'd swim along the side of the pool. And then when he came to the corner, he sort of stopped paddling with, with one arm so he could propel himself around, around the edge there, you know? And I realized that he, he was actually swimming circles in a square pool. And that just that idea fascinated me for a start. And then of course, there was the, the, the mountain, the, the volcano just beautifully, majestically there above the rice terraces. The sun was shining. And I just thought to myself, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need to be living in a corporate world, and, you know, being a slave to all that. I want this and I want to come here and I want to live here and I want to write. And uh, that's what I did. And you know,
0: Ubud in the 1990s was quite a backward place, wasn't
1: it? Backward but beautiful, you know, yeah. I would say. I wouldn't say backward. I mean, it's just... it's It remains an amazing, uh, uh, very beautiful uh, place. Of course, there's this incredible culture of the Balinese people and the architecture and uh, the friendliness and, the, and sort of the, the love that is, is apparent on the surface. And then this collection of amazing characters who sort of had the same idea, you know, to give it all up and just move to this place you know yeah Excuse I mean me
0: there are elements in the book of Bruce Chatwin uh, and if you'll forgive me you'll probably hate me for this Elizabeth Gilbert's
1: Eat Pray Love well um, I mean they're both both great I mean Chatwin my god amazing the song lines this you know remains one of my top three books uh, for sure, I love that that book and the way he he put together also a story which was true for him, and an investigation of the you know Aboriginal culture, and the, and the and the way that um and that culture is passed down through a sort of verbal lineage you know and I, and then also his own journey was within that and uh, yeah that book had a, an enormous influence on me. Um, Elizabeth's book, of course, is amazing and, is, and and you know there was the film and it was just so American and but you know um, I think primarily. Uh, her book was written and is loved by uh, uh, female readers, if you'll forgive me, and then maybe uh, Chatwin's, and perhaps, you know, I wouldn't put myself in the same class as Bruce Chatwin, but my book also probably loved um, a little bit more sort of on the on the testrionics side, you know. Um, but, uh, of course, Elizabeth's, uh, well, what can you say about that book? I don't know how many copies she sold, but millions, you know.
0: Mm, yeah, very successful I mean, your book essentially is based, as I've already mentioned, as we've both spoken about, about expats attempting to find freedom. Mm. Uh, What other books about that elusive search for freedom have inspired you?
1: I think um, the biggest book, uh, well, there's a few, but um, I loved, uh, for instance, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's about a a small town girl that finds herself in the big city, you know, and uh, gets into uh, into some terrible scrapes with the wrong people. You know, I love that book, but I think um, the one that influenced me most, um, certainly with this, and there are clues within within this within Eating the Wind, which I, you know, uh, relate to to um, Hemingway's uh, The Sun Also Rises, mm. you know, Fiesta, in which famously this group of uh, bucolic uh, alcoholic uh, uh, expatriates, if you like, saunter off to Spain to to watch the um, the bull run, you know, Pamplona, and uh, things sort of go terribly wrong. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that book uh, influenced me, and if you if you are sharp eyed enough, you'll notice that the 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 main female character um, in the book, um, or at least my partner, you know. Um, is called Brett, and, and that was that's the name of the mm. of uh, of course uh, Hemingway's okay. girlfriend and I was and wondering Lady about Ashley, that. yeah. So I <laughs> so I don't know if anybody notices, but it, it sort of amuses me, and uh, I and I certainly read it um, very recently that that book uh, when I was uh, finishing off uh, Eating the Wind, you know. So I just love it. Nothing really happens, although you just at the end of this book just get the sense of um, of uh, of Life being li- having been lived, and uh, some sense of uh, some journey having been undertaken, and some search, and and no real answers uh, uh, come at the end of it, you know. And I think that that just reflects um, uh, really um, how how many people live or live their life, you know. Yeah. Well,
0: absolutely. I mean, you say nothing happens, but I mean, why do you think? So many of us, and by, by us, I mean our particular tribe of expats are so intent on escaping to the remotest parts of the world. Or if you can't escape, per se, at the very least, escape through the books written on or around that topic.
1: I think a lot of, lot of us, I mean, um, certainly I know you're from, uh, grew up in Zimbabwe, for instance. Yeah, I was born in Ghana. So, you know, that search had already begun before we were born you know so we're already born out of out of place if you like you know and 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 therefore i think there's a confusion uh that might take place uh, as you're growing up as you look around you know where you live as a, as a teenager what have you and realize that this is not you're of a different race for instance you know you're you, you know you're clearly from somewhere else so it's, it's like confusion there and that leads then to some uh, some journey i think in a search for some sort of meaning i mean maybe you know, if you're born in, in Norwich and you grow up all your life in Norwich, let's say, or somewhere else in England, uh, you know, and you're happy with your life, I'm jealous sometimes of those people. But I'm also, you know, there's part of me that, that just looks at them and feels pity because they haven't had the challenges, you know, that that uh, maybe uh, you or I have um, have had, has been, you know, having grown up overseas and, and been born in other countries, do you know. So... Um, I think that's where it starts from before we're before we're even born.
0: I mean, I think living in Asia or Southeast Asia makes it a lot easier. Um, but Nigel, prior to dropping out in Bali, you were clearly living a high octane life, working at the highly prestigious publications such as Peak Magazine, Tatler, and of course, South China Morning Post in its mm. heyday. However, after Bali, after you this after the time that this book is written about, you moved back to Singapore and that's really where things begin to unravel. I mean you don't talk about this Mm. in the book, perhaps you're saving that for another time, I don't know, Uh, but can you tell us about what happened?
1: Yeah for sure, I mean um, that's absolutely right. Um, um, I went back to Singapore and things kind of got out of control again because I was back in the machine, you know, I talked in the book about the machine, the rat race and I was and I really didn't want to be in it. So I think I just uh, wanted to do anything to escape that, you know, and uh that led me down some pretty interesting alleys, you know. And yes, there is a period there which uh, we we you've you've alluded to, you know. Um and, and yes, I am writing um another book and that is the central part of it, you know. So it's called uh, The Thing Outside the Window. And it's about um, Singapore and it's about uh, going to jail and it's about uh, God, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm working on that uh, as we speak.
0: Okay, well, I can't wait. Um, clearly, Singapore was a disaster as these events or that particular it wasn't, it wasn't
1: all a disaster. I mean, I did some amazing things that we launched, uh, you know, the Yak magazine, I was the editor of Tatler, but and my daughter was born there. But yeah, I, you know, I'd sort of gone off the rails. And uh, I'm not particularly proud of it. But that was just part of my life. And you know, I look back at it now and it was 18 years ago, you know, um, and it was interesting and, and uh, it was a very dark place for me, but some famous, uh, brilliant things came out of it. You know, some things I look back at on now, I'm extremely proud of uh, the people I met, uh, for instance, in jail and people I decided that I could help and uh, discovering something uh, within myself uh, that was entirely good.
0: Mm. Uh, and wh- yeah. When
1: did you move back to Bali? so um about like 17 years ago now yeah so you know, 16 17 years ago as soon as I, I sort of they let me out of singapore as it were i don't really want to talk too much about that but uh mm. a because it's the book and and b uh well it's 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 a great story trust me
0: <laughs> yeah okay well I, I no spoilers
1: okay sure
0: so nigel um before we kind of run out of time you describe the book as well, as close as you'll get to understanding what drives anyone's search for freedom. So I suppose in the words of Harry and Meghan, another couple finding freedom, have
1: you found your freedom? Uh, of sorts, yeah. I mean, I've, I've more of realized that uh, as a concept, it, it's, um, it depends on, on what you, how you define it, you know? Uh, and certainly becoming a father, um, um, you know, just gave me this sense of uh, fulfillment Um, which I think I'd been lacking before. And that, uh, yes, has led to an enormous amount of um, uh, freedom for me, yeah.
0: Well, fantastic, it's a beautiful book. I loved reading it and to quote one of your readers, for those of you who have never been to Bali but have always wanted to escape, dive into this book for I can tell you as much as things have changed here, they'll still remain exactly the same. And I think that's a great way to end Before we go, listeners can find out more about your book, Eating the Wind, at eatingthewind.com. And, of course, the book is available
1: on Amazon and all good bookstores. Well, uh, not not necessarily in all good bookstores. Does anybody go to bookstores (laughs) these days? But, yes, uh, Amazon is the way to go. They will deliver a a paperback book anywhere in the world within three or four days, which I find absolutely amazing. And um, if anybody does pick it up, I... I really uh, hope that you enjoy it. And uh, I wrote this for you.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. Can I just uh, go back a little bit about the book cover? I love the book cover. Who did that for you? Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so graphics. shout
1: out to my, uh, my man, my main design man, Stuart Sullivan, who is I've worked with uh, in the Yak magazine for many years, a brilliant designer. Um, I worked together with him. The uh, cover shot is actually me. And that was taken by my, my uh, wife, Yaiko. Um, uh, so, yeah, I was just so happy with the the way that came out. It's just a beautiful and many people mention it and they say don't judge a book by its cover. But I think in this case, uh, you know, <laughs> it's actually it, the cover it, and the inside actually might be as good as each other. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, no, not. not but, I mean, look, it stands out, you know, on a page. So that's fantastic. Look, Nigel Simmons, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story. I hope the book goes well. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me on Conversations with Pete Wood.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Peter.
0: Cheers. Bye. Well, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening to me. And remember, you can tune into my new episodes of Mud Between Your Toes via iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Blueberry and Pocket Casts. Don't forget, you can always buy a copy of my book on both Amazon and Kindle. And I also welcome comments by email on mudbetweenyourtoes at gmail.com. If you want to get involved and you have a good story to tell about those years in Rhodesia, and if you're brave enough to be interviewed for Mud Between Your Toes, feel free to write to me. Goodbye.